Good morning. You know, I didn't understand the power of prayer until a tragedy happened in 2005. That was when Hurricane Katrina arrived and destroyed so many homes and so many lives along the Gulf Coast, killing almost 2,000 people, causing about $100 billion in damage. And like any disaster, God calls His people to step up. So the JAR put together a mission team, and I volunteered to be a part of His hands and feet. Now, I was a brand new believer in Christ. I was a rookie. I was a newbie, you could say. I was currently in my first year of attending the JAR, which is the only church I've ever been a part of. I didn't grow up going to church. My family didn't go to church. I started on the ground floor at this place, but I felt called at the time to respond. Now, prayer wasn't yet a very big part of my life, but it was on that trip that not only did I pray aloud for the first time, but I also got to see firsthand what happens when we pray. Now, my first time praying aloud, and I've shared this story before, was at a Hardee's somewhere between Muncie, Indiana and Gulfport, Mississippi. It was when a pastor that I didn't know very well asked me to bless the food before we all ate. Man, was I nervous. That was way out of my comfort zone. If I'd have known he was going to do that, I probably wouldn't even went on the trip at the time. So I mumbled through a prayer about French fries, and I kind of had my eyes half open looking around to see if anyone was watching me. But I did it. Now, to be completely honest, another reason that I was second-guessing my decision to go on this mission is because I was a chewer at the time. I was a dipper. I used snuff. And I couldn't bring any with me. I didn't want anybody to know that I chewed. There were doctors on this trip. There was a pastor. I was the heathen of the group. A funny story with that is I made it through a 16-hour van ride. I made it through the first full day of working in Gulfport before my cravings got the best of me. We were working on a house, and Chris, Pastor Chris, was a runner. He would get material and then bring it back and then go pick stuff up because it wasn't very safe to let him use hand tools. (laughs) So I called him, and I said, Dude, I need some chew. You need to swing in and get me some, or I'm not going to make it. He said, are you serious? You want me, your pastor, to buy tobacco? I said, Kodiak, wintergreen. 
He said, the stuff in the round can? He said, I don't know. He said, I've never bought that before. I don't, I don't feel comfortable doing this. I said, now you know how I felt back at Hardy's, buddy. <laughs> so he shows up at the job site. And he's trying to be all secretive. And he's kind of walking up, you know, and he's kind of tucking it back here and trying to give it to me. You would have thought he was slipping me like a top secret government document or something the way he acted. But we worked on people's houses. We gave people financial gifts. We listened to their stories. We had devotions together. I took a huge, huge step in my Christian walk on that trip. And as we were on our way home, 16 hours back, I was thinking about things. And my mind was just kind of wandering and I was replaying all these things that had happened. And I realized that all these people that I had come in contact with, these people that had suffered loss, these people that had suffered hardship, their stories were all so similar. I mean, whether it was a 30-year-old father, an 80-year-old grandmother, their stories were all the same. They had all cried out to God. They had all prayed to Jesus in their time of struggle, in their time of hardship. And God answered their prayers. I saw it. I heard it with every story. And I realized at that moment that there's like a sequence of events that took place where someone went to God. God listened God responded. And I discovered the power of prayer on that trip. I discovered what happens when we pray. That's what we're going to be talking about today. What happens when we pray? See, I'm going to be taking you through some biblical stories. These are stories that I'm sure most of you have read before. But I'm going to take you to maybe like a different perspective on them. Something that you may have missed reading through them. So I would like to begin by telling you about someone. His name's not important. His title's irrelevant. He's important not because of who he is, but because of what he did. You see, he went to Jesus... On behalf of a friend. Two sisters came to him. They said we need someone to talk to Jesus on behalf of our sick brother. Will you go? And he went. I mean there was other people that cared for the sick man in other ways. Churches do this a lot. People that brought food. Others that offered words of encouragement to the family. And you see, each role was crucial. Each person was helpful in that. But none was more vital than the person who went to Jesus. The two sisters, they would have gone themselves, but they needed to stay 
close to Lazarus. They needed someone to go for them. Man, not just anyone. They needed someone who knew the way. They needed someone that wasn't going to give up halfway through. They needed someone who, like them, believed that Jesus had to know the condition of their dying brother. They had to be sure that someone would tell him. Now, in John chapter 11, verse 3, it gives reference to this someone. It says, So Martha and Mary sent someone to tell Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Someone. Someone went to tell Jesus about Lazarus, who was sick. Now, a lot of you probably know this story. You've heard it before. You've read it before. It's a powerful piece of scripture. And it has an amazing ending. You see, Jesus, after so many days, he comes and he finds that Lazarus has already been dead and buried for four days. And Jesus speaks to Lazarus. And Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb. I mean, it's one of the most dramatic stories in the entire Bible. And because of this powerful and this dramatic ending, we tend to miss the significance of the beginning. And that is that it all began when someone went to Jesus. How important was the role of someone. What's it called when someone goes to Jesus? You go to Jesus to tell Him something. You go to Jesus with a request. It's called a prayer. A prayer is when we go to Jesus. A prayer is when someone goes to Jesus. We tell Jesus something. We ask something of Him. So someone went to Jesus with a prayer. And that's when the healing began. Look in verse 4. It says, when Jesus heard this, He said, this sickness will not end in death. It is for the glory of God to bring glory to the Son of God. So when was Lazarus healed? After someone went to Jesus. You know, this healing wouldn't take place for several days, but it's like it might as well have already been answered. It's like when someone went to Jesus, it's like a timer was set. That timer was set and all that was needed was the passage of time. So once the request, once the prayer was placed in the presence of Christ, everything changed. Everything changed at that point. Things were set into motion at that point. So what happens when we pray? The first thing is you go to God. 
you go to God. A great miracle happened. Why? Because someone went to Jesus. Someone went to God. Someone prayed. Matthew 7 verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Now don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying that we get everything that we ask for. We'd be a room full of millionaires if it was like that. James 4 verse 3 says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So God doesn't give us everything we want because that would spoil us. He gives us what we need when we ask. See, what we need and what we want a lot of the times are two different things. You pray for money because you're drowning in debt because you ran all the credit cards up and you overextended yourself. You see, money isn't going to change your situation. Changing your spending habit is going to change your situation. God knows this. He knows the difference between a want and a need. I need the Colts to win the Super Bowl. I do. I need it. I need my Indiana Hoosiers to win the national championship this year. I need it. I need them to beat Kentucky by 30 points in the championship game. God and I don't see eye to eye on that. But we go to God with our needs. We go, we go to God with our needs and our wants that aren't selfish. But it all starts with going to God. You have to ask. You have to seek. You have to turn that key to get the car started or it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, this actually seems like it's almost too simple. If you want something to change, I mean, honestly, if you desire something, you have to be someone that asks. You have to be someone that seeks and knocks. You have to be that someone that goes to God. Because that's how it starts. That is going to kick everything into motion. Our prayers trigger the actions of heaven. They do. God moves mountains and prayer moves God. Why does God want to hear from us? I mean, why is it so important... For someone to go to God. Why is that? Why does this prayer matter so much to God? And then what exactly happens after we go to God? 
To answer those questions, we are going to be going into the book of Revelation. The confusing and scary last book of the New Testament. The ending of the Bible, so to speak. The book of Revelation, often known simply as Revelation or Apocalypse, is derived from the first word of the text, written in Koine Greek, Apocalypse, meaning unveiling or revelation. This is the revelation of the Apostle John. It's a vision. The book of Revelation is a vision that's given to John. This is the exact same John who just told us this story about Lazarus. And he's around 90 years old now. He's the last remaining original apostle. The others have all been martyred. They're dead. Peter's dead. Paul's dead at this point. They have all been killed for their belief in Jesus Christ. Now John is being persecuted by the emperor Domitian. He's been exiled to the island of Patmos, which is actually today a part of Greece. It's near the west coast of Turkey. It's a small, rocky, windswept island that measures seven and a half mile by six and a half mile. You see, from this perspective of Domitian, this is like the ultimate persecution. But from the perspective of God, this becomes the ultimate opportunity. Because God is going to reveal these visions to John. These teachings that are not just about the end times, like a lot of us think, and the future of what's going to come, but also what's happening right now. I mean, it's almost like God pulls this curtain back. This curtain back on heaven, and he gives this aging apostle this look into the very throne room of God. And I believe in these visions or explain the sequence of what happens when we go to God. And I'm going to show this to you. We're going to start with Revelation 1, verse 10. It says, And on the Lord's day I was in the Spirit, and I heard a loud voice behind me that sounded like a trumpet. Now the Lord's day is a term to describe the first day of the week. It's named because Jesus rose from the grave on that day. John knows this. He was there six decades earlier when it happened. That's why we go to church on Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. So he's worshiping. He's in the Spirit. And it says he hears a loud voice. So this revelation begins with something that John hears. He hears a loud voice behind him. It says he hears a voice behind him and that voice sounded like a trumpet. So welcome to the book of Revelation. A book that stretches our minds 
Scripture that takes us into places we've never been before. John says, I hear a voice and it sounds like a trumpet. And this is like the first of many things that he hears. I mean, all through Revelation, he talks about sounds. He hears things. It's like one sound after another. The sound of angels who cry out, holy, 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 nonstop, day and night. The sound of elders who worship. They're saying, you are worthy, worthy, our Lord and our God. Sound of martyrs who've already been taken in with their spirits into heaven. And they cry out, how long, O Lord? How long? So we get this impression that the throne room of heaven that John's getting this vision of, it's full of sounds, full of glorious sounds, probing sounds, moving sounds, thunderous sounds. And then in Revelation 8, verse 1, it says, Then there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. So there's been all this noise. These sounds that, that John heard, and then all of a sudden, silence. A sudden stillness. It's as if the director of an orchestra just stood up, grabbed, picked up the baton, and just raised everything. Silence. Why? I'm going to read John chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. And I want you to just stay with me here. Then I'm going to explain this. It says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God and to whom were given seven trumpets. Another angel came and stood at the altar holding a golden pan for incense. He was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all God's holy people. The angel put this offering on the golden altar before the throne. The smoke from the incense went up from the angel's hand to God with the prayers of God's people. Then the angel filled the incense pan with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were flashes of lightning, thunder and loud noises and an earthquake. So we were just told of all this noise. All the sounds and all the songs that was going on. But there is a moment in heaven in which every sound stops. There's a moment in heaven in which every song ceases. There is a time in heaven in which 30 minutes, symbolic, literal, I don't know. But a time in which God lifts his hand. And he says, everyone, be quiet. Shh. I hear something. What does he hear? The prayers of his people. He hears 
someone calling out to him. He hears someone that went to him. So the second thing that happens when we pray, God listens. God listens. I just read 8 verse 1. I'll say it again. There was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Verse 4 said the smoke from the incense went up from the angel's hand to God with the prayers of God's people. Your prayers trump every sound in heaven. We just read the scripture. When you pray, God says, I want to hear this. I want to hear this. He says, shh, quiet. And he listens. When you pray, your words trump every sound in heaven. The angels are told to be quiet. Put the trumpets away for a minute. Elders, shh. I want to hear what someone says. God wants to hear your heart. God wants to hear you. Why? I mean, ultimately, he'll have to answer that one. But I do know that it has something to do with the affection that he has for us. The affection that he has for you. The affection that he has for me. I mean, when the friend of Mary and Martha went to talk to Jesus on behalf of Lazarus, here is what he said. Lord, the one you love is sick. So basically, he was appealing to the love of Jesus. Because you love him. Will you do something? He didn't say, because I love him, will you help Lazarus? He didn't say, because Lazarus loves you, will you do something? He said, because you, Jesus, because you love him, will you do something? So he appealed to the love of God. Why does prayer matter? It has something to do with the love that God has for his people. I do know that. I'm no Bible scholar. I just started praying nine years ago at Hardy's. But I get that out of the scripture. The one you love is sick. So the power of prayer depended not on the one that offered the prayer. It depended upon the one who heard the prayer. And that was Jesus. When Jesus hears the hearts of his children, 
That is us. He does something. He does something. Again, verse 4 of John chapter 11, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. So he issued a promise to someone. The promise was issued after the prayer was offered. The promise was issued after he heard it. So there's like a sequence that really matters here. Someone offered the prayer, the prayer's heard, then a declaration was made. A declaration was made. It said this sickness will not end in death. Jesus said that. Doesn't matter that days had passed before he actually fulfilled that. What matters is it was made. So someone knew that things were going to be okay. When we pray, God makes declarations. You see, our words prompt His words. Our words prompt His response. The prayers of His children prompt actions in heaven. It was just in the Revelation Scripture. When you pray, your prayers go up. They're carried by angels into the presence of God where God hears those prayers. And once He hears those prayers, number three, God responds. God responds. Revelation 8, verse 5 again says, Then the angels filled the incense pan with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. There were flashes of lightning, thunder, and loud noises, and an earthquake. So you've got you to gotta follow the itinerary here of your prayers. They begin down here. Then they go up into the very throne room of God. He hears the prayers, and He turns them back into action. He throws it back down on the earth. The most powerful tool in your life is prayer. The most powerful tool. God takes those prayers. He turns them back into actions on earth. They come back into actions of healing. They come back to the earth in actions of encouragement. They come back in wisdom. They come back in stronger marriages. Stronger people. Stronger faith, stronger churches. Lightning, thunder, loud noises, earthquakes. You see, that's how God moves mountains. Earthquakes change landscapes. That's how the mountains are moved in your life. And it all starts with moving God. And prayer moves God. I mean, how important is prayer? You know, I find it interesting. Never once in the New Testament did the disciples come to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to teach. 
Not a single time. But they did go to Jesus and say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to pray. Because they knew whenever Jesus prayed, something happened. And they wanted to be able to pray in a fashion like that. That they knew that something was going to happen. Man, that's my prayer for this church. That's Pastor Chris's prayer for this church. That's why he's getting ready to take us through an entire series on prayer. Because he knows that something happens when we pray. Man, what would happen? What would happen if we really prayed? Can you imagine that? Man, how different would our lives be? How different would our homes be? How different would the communities that we live in be? I mean, what would, it, what would it be like if our first response to tension in our homes was not to lash out at someone, but to bow and pray? Man, what would that be like? What if our teenagers took prayer into their schools? People took prayer into their workplaces. Can you imagine the impact that that would have? I received a phone call last year, and I'd asked if I'd be willing to come to City Hall and lead a prayer before the city council meeting. I was astonished. I didn't believe that they said prayers before the city council meetings. Man, I was honored to do it. The privilege, the beauty, the power of prayer. Because someone prayed, a dead man walked out of a grave. Because someone prayed, a dead marriage came to life. Because someone prayed, a dead faith came to life. Because someone prayed, maybe a city council made some decisions that honored God. And who can pray? What's the qualification? You have to be someone. Raise your hand if you're a someone. You are all going to have the opportunity right now to be that someone. That someone that goes to God. I mean, do you have something in your life right now that you, you need God to send thunder? You need God to send lightning? You need God to send an earthquake? Do you got a mountain in your life right now that needs moved? Or maybe you know someone that has a Red Sea that needs parted. Go to God on their behalf then. Be someone that goes for them. Be someone that appeals 
for them to the love of God. Man, God wants to hear you. That's why He silences everything. Defy any thought in your mind that says you're not good enough to pray. Defy any thought in your mind that says you're not righteous enough to be someone that goes to God. Man, I speak against that right now in the name of Jesus Christ because you are someone. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. I want you to appeal to the love of God. Lord, the one you love is sick. Will you help me? Lord, the one you love is struggling right now with their faith. They're struggling to believe right now. God, will you help him? Lord, the one you love has cancer. Will you help her? Lord, the one you love is going through holidays alone for the first time. God, send actions back of peace. Send actions back of comfort. God, the one you love is struggling with heroin. God, I need a declaration that things are going to be okay. I want you to believe that the second you offer this prayer, something is being set into motion that's going to end up in the form of an answered prayer. So take a moment and be that someone that goes to God.